Welcome to the Polar Homestead. We learn finance, permaculture and prepping. A modern view of the world. Don't forget, freedom is in your hands. Stay safe and vigilant friends. And now your host, Ralph KK. Launch in. 3, 2, 1. Let's go. for you a very deep and meaningful question a philosophical question can you tell me what does it mean to be wealthy today to be truly wealthy does it mean to have like a bunch of money does it mean to have like some kind of security or does it mean to have a family or something like this? What is the true meaning of wealth today in the year 2022? As you might have noticed, all around you, the world is falling apart. We are in the pre-apocalypse or the preview to the apocalypse, or maybe we are in the apocalypse already and we just don't know it yet there is a delayed value of what is happening if you know something about history you might have heard about the Weimar Republic this was around or before the first world war uh, something like the year 1915, 1910, something, something around this time, sometime around this time. And in this place, the Weimar Republic, previously called and today called 
Germany. In this place there was rampant hyperinflation. You could see or you can see pictures of people uh, carrying like big big stacks of uh, uh, paper bills of money. Like literally boxes and boxes of paper bills. And you needed like uh, trillions and trillions of this money to buy like a loaf of bread or, or a jug of milk or butter. So if you go to the internet and you google Wayne Republic, you will see pictures of people in different places, in different circumstances and you will see them carrying stacks and bags of paper bills and hyperinflation it was so terrible that literally the money was worth nothing so people that were millionaires or billionaires in this whole currency and they could not even buy a loaf of bread so how would you answer the question what is wealth what is the definition of to be wealthy today in the year 2022 currently the earth or humanity is going through the really difficult times and it seems that we are just at the beginning of this calamities and these calamities might last for several years even decades So are you prepared to survive the apocalypse? So basically today in the year 2022 what was considered before to be wealthy tomorrow or next year maybe will be considered to be like in a really bad place. For example today you might have like a penthouse in New York worth a couple million dollars, yeah? In New York City prime real estate, yeah? But next year, depending on the circumstances, the wealthy people will be those who have some land where they can grow food, where they can grow crops, where they can have some livestock, where they can put uh, fences and fence around their property. And go into exile away from the rest of the world so what today is considered to be wealthy next year might be considered to be very unlucky like if society really collapses uh, urban centers will be like really bad places to live in or to stay in the the first places to to really go crazy gonna be the big cities like New York, Los Angeles, London, Tokyo, all these big cities, they're gonna be a little bit crazy when society collapses. So maybe, just maybe, if you're a farmer today, or if you live outside in the wilderness and you have some land, you, these people, will be considered the wealthy people of tomorrow, of today. 
even today those people who have land who grow food for themselves they are like already in a very good position today and if you don't have any kind of debts then you're like bulletproof i would say in my own personal circumstances let me tell you that i have a small little piece of land somewhere near the north pole and i have packed up the land with uh, food giving plants trees bushes all kinds of stuff everything is so packed up together that it looks like some kind of foresty jungle forestry jungle in the middle of the forest i don't know but the amount of food that i get out of this little piece of land is just ridiculous I follow the principles of permaculture. It means that you you put plants or crops that will give you food permanently for several seasons, for several years. And just the amount of food that I get out of my plant, it's ridiculous. Like this season, this summer, I got uh, something like, let's say, my blackcurrant bushes, which are sometimes they just go crazy. This year they gave me something like 50 kilograms of berries. Can you imagine that? I was literally eating fresh berries for one whole month. And then what was left, I mean, what I put aside, I had to make a jam and then some of that also, of the fresh berries, I had to freeze them. So I had, I had to put some in the freezer, I had to make jams. And then I, I had to eat like a bunch of fresh black currants and I had to bake it and cook it and just use it all. The amount of food that I got from there was ridiculous. Also, my pear trees. I mean, I live in a very cold climate and somehow I managed to acclimatate the pear trees here. Yeah? So my pear trees, I have a couple of them, and I just don't know how many kilograms I got. Let's say from 60 to 100 kilograms of pears. And then again, the same problem. I just didn't know what to do with this huge amount of food. I had to make jam, I had to freeze some, I had to give away some, I had to eat pears. Just a ridiculous amount. The trick here is that if you want to grow food, you can grow food. You don't need to have some huge or big piece of land. You can have something small, let's say mm, 10 meters by 10 meters. This is something modest and small. 10 meters by 10 meters piece of land where you can put a bunch of stuff there. Or even if you don't have any piece of land, you can grow food indoors uh, in some balcony in some greenhouse uh, even inside your house you can grow food the main idea here is that you need you need to get busy you need to have the desire to grow food because time is gonna get hard i mean it's not just me saying this like most people who are in the know they know that we have at least 10 more 
years, at least 10 years of uh, difficult times, at least. So you better get prepping today, because you still have time, even today, if you start prepping today, you still have time. There is shortages here and there of stuff, but you can still find stuff if you really want to. The main point here is to have the desire to do something for yourself or for your own safety or for your family. The most basic thing that you could do is to grow potatoes. But potatoes, the usual potatoes, they need to be grown outside because, yeah, the plants are poisonous and the green potatoes, they are poisonous. Or you can grow sweet potatoes. You know, batatas from uh, hot climates, these big, huge tubers called sweet potatoes, then there you can grow them indoors. The key here is that um, it is not how much uh, dirt or space to grow you have. The key here for sweet potatoes is to have a lot of light. So even if you live in a place where there is not a lot of light, you just grow some light bulbs. For sweet potatoes, you need something like, let's say, let's say 3000 to 5000 lumens. This is enough for your plants to grow. And with this amount of light, 3000 to 5000 lumens, this is enough for you to get tubers, big, nice, sweet potatoes. The, the, plants, uh, the plant of the sweet potato, it is not poisonous. And all the new, young, tender shots of the plant, you can eat it. It tastes something like spinach, some kind of wild spinach, but it's actually tasty and very nutritious. You would not believe how nutritious it is. So get growing your sweet potatoes and it will not disappoint you. Just remember the key is to have a lot of light. 3000 to 5000 lumens and a lot of uh, fertilizer. If you use organic fertilizer, this is even better. What I personally do is uh, all my coffee grounds all my used coffee grounds, all of them, they go straight to, to my sweet potato bags. The, uh, the used uh, coffee grounds, they are very high in nitrogen. Nitrogen is key for, uh, for leafy growth, from, for green growth. So you start uh, with nitrogen for the sweet potato plant to start growing like crazy. And then once it's established, like, like say one month, two months, and you have like a bunch of green foliage, then you have to switch uh, to a fertilizer to increase the growth of the tubers themselves. So like around a um, month and a half or two months, you have to give uh, uh, the sweet potatoes, you have to fertilize them with uh, potassium. Potassium, what's going to do, it's uh, going to make the, the tubers to, to start growing, to start developing and eventually 
at the end of the of the cycle you will have some nice big tubers, some nice big sweet potatoes. So don't forget potation for the sweet potatoes. Also, you know, there is um, there are a lot of things that you can grow indoors. It's all about um, to have some dedicated space where you can put your plants and about lightning. So, like I said, uh, 3,000 to 5,000 lumens, this is uh, enough for a acceptable uh, growth cycle. You really don't need to overdo it. Uh, 5,000 plus the um, the usual light that you would get from the outside uh, should be enough. I mean, uh, uh, the sun itself, it, it produces different uh, spectrums of light. Uh, so just by using uh, light bulbs, you might not get the full spectrum of light that your plants need. That's why uh, if you put them like uh, near a window or in the balcony, you would get the necessary light necessary for your, for your plants to grow. Although, tell me, have you ever heard of uh, people eating cactus? Cactuses. Have you ever heard of people eating cactus? There is a cactus in Mexico called Nopales or uh, of the family Opuntia. It's something like a kind of a, like a flat hmm, palm sized cactus. that has been grown as a crop for hundreds of years from the uh, ages of the Aztecs. So let's say a thousand years as a crop at least. So because of this, the, this specific uh, cactus has been made to have almost no, uh, no needles, no spikes. The they have some, but when you clean the uh, the product, the final crop, you you take away these needles, and they are usually easy to take away. So they are uh, sporadic. Let's say each three centimeters. Let's say three centimeters spaces between the needles. So you usually take it away with a knife, and then you have. A nice piece of tasty cactus that you can eat and believe it or not this plant it is magical you can literally plant it anywhere and you literally don't need to take care of it and it will grow and produce a lot of food um, in some countries actually they use this uh, cactus the nopales they, they use this cactus in 
to actually uh, push away the desert or arid arid lands uh, to push it away and stop the process of uh, desertification. In in the Middle East, in many countries uh, like Lebanon, Turkey, Jordan, and a bunch of them, they use this specific cactus uh, to push uh, to push away the desert so that the process it stops. So what this uh, plant does, it, it grows uh, and it kind of uh, keeps the moisture in, in, in the sand in the dirt, you would say. And they have been using this plant for at least documented for 50 years or something to push away the desert and to, and to reverse the effect of um, fertile line a fertile land turning into desert so you could say that this plant is magical this cactus is magical and if you ever if you've ever eaten mexican food i'm sure you've sometimes tasted this tasty nopales so if you go to my instagram the polar homestead i've put there um, some pictures of my uh, cactus setup you can look at the pictures so basically you need some some kind of pot where you put your cactus and then you just let it grow it is something like the equivalent of potatoes but in cactus you just drop the cactus in the floor you put some water and it will grow and this this cactus will do very well with no care and it will do amazingly if you take care of it and it basically loves nitrogen so you, you feed it a lot of our organic uh, compost rich in nitrogen it will just grow like crazy like uh, every let's say every month every three weeks you could be harvesting a, a small crop of nopales for your own consumption you can go online you can do some research about it and you will see that it is extremely easy to grow this cactus for human consumption i mean there are a lot of options of crops and food that you can grow indoors in a balcony or even inside your house if you don't have a garden or if you don't have any piece of land or if you live in a northern climate like I do I have six seven months of winter uh, with heavy snow here where I live so here we have to be very creative so I do grow a lot of stuff uh, indoors even if you have a, a greenhouse here where I am you have you have to uh, heat the greenhouse because we do go to minus 25 minus 30 minus 35 during winter so even if you have your greenhouse and if it is not heated you will not be able to grow anything so it all depends on where you live and what are your personal conditions there is also shortcuts here and there 
of how to get some fresh food, yeah? My favorite shortcut is to use um, the magical process of sprouting. You can get uh, fresh tasty greens, you can eat almost anything. I mean, the greens of seeds, of anything that is edible. So, the, the key is just to sprout it, you eat the greens and you get your nutrition from this. So you could be storing some some grains in in <laughs> in long-term containers, you know, like for 20 years or whatever. And then you try to sprout them and then you get your greens for human consumption. There are some particular easy uh, easy to sprout seeds like my favorite and I think the easiest one to sprout is uh, lentils I mean I had lentils which are uh, three four five years old that they they haven't been taken care of at all just forgotten there in a shelf somewhere I've tried to sprout them and believe it or not they have sprouted, and actually, fast. So if you are thinking about growing your own food for your own consumption in the long term, I mean, there are many options and you can go as big as you want, as complicated as you want. It's all about the desire of doing also, um, if you want to be self-reliant, I mean, this is the main topic of this year, as the world around us, as society collapses, you have to think about yourself and how to take care of yourself, yeah? So, food production for your own consumption, this is a key aspect of survival so so if you're thinking long term you need th to think about so if you are thinking about the long term you need to think about protein growing uh, vegetables or a few vegetables here and there might be easy or not as complicated and difficult as to get protein. And actually, you know, in, in nature, uh, protein sources for uh, native people, like human tribes, it is and it has usually been uh, difficult to get. So if you were like out there in the wilderness and you needed to get, and you needed to get some protein sources, it would be difficult as it is today for tribes living in the wild. So, so there are a few options for the for the conscious prepper that wants to have a reliable source of protein. 
if you have a small piece of land or a, some kind of a medium-sized car, then an option of uh, a protein source would be rabbits. You would not believe me, but use one pair of rabbits, healthy rabbits. Per year, they can produce up to 50 baby rabbits. Did you know this? I didn't know this up to maybe last year when I was uh, researching how, how to get your own protein. I was like literally shocked by this. So one couple, one pair of rabbits, it can give you in one year baby rabbits, which you can grow them to adulthood or let's say something like uh, a full meal size, yeah, from six months to one year. So rabbits are a very uh, profitable protein source. The vegetable opposite are the potatoes. You know, 10x multiplier of profit you get from one potato. You put in the dirt 10 kilograms of potato. If you fertilize it good, you should expect 100 kilograms of potatoes. So, and this is even better from two little rabbits to, okay, two adult rabbits. That is just nuts. An another source of protein that I've been researching. I mean, we are not going to talk about bugs because, I mean, that's just not to my taste. And also the, the world governments currently are uh, pushing people to to supplement their their food with uh, bugs or insect powder, insect protein powder to make you synthetic hamburgers or whatever. But actually, what they are not telling you is that uh, insects have a, a compound in their bodies which is toxic to humans. Did you know this? It's very well researched, very well known, but they are not telling you about it. It is toxic to humans, it accumulates and it is the source of all evils and allergies. So what I have been uh, researching the last year is um, how to set up an indoor farm of uh, giant African land snails. Yep, that's right, you heard me correctly. Giant snails from Africa. Have you ever been to France? Have you ever eaten square goods? Have you? If you have, you would know that they are very tasty, very delicious. And if you just ate the dish without knowing what it is, you really wouldn't know the difference of what this is. You wouldn't know that it is a snail. And um, land snails, they are a mollusk. So if you like seafood, 
so practically you are eating the same. And mollusks, snails, they have been part of the human diet for hundreds of thousands of years. As a matter of fact, did you know that in ancient Rome, the food of the poor people, this was oysters, did you know this? Ancient Romans, they used to uh, eat uh, oysters for breakfast, lunch and dinner almost. Or at least that was the food of the commoners. That's an interesting fact just for you. Anyways, anyhow. Uh, talking about the giant African land snail. They are very easy to keep, very productive. I mean, productive as in uh, each time the, the reproduce, they also put a ridiculous amount of eggs, which turn eventually into adult snails. And the same like rabbits, you only need one pair of snails to start your farm. It, and also check this out. You don't need to know if it is a boy or a girl because snails, they are hemaphrodites. So literally you just need two snails and that's all you need to start your farm. So probably uh, next podcast I will uh, go into detail on how you set up a big glass aquarium or terrarium to turn it into a habitat for uh, giant African land snails. They are uh, literally almost effortless to, to keep, uh, to take care of and to, I mean, when the time comes to turn them into food, this is the easiest source of protein that you could get. And so the main idea here is that if you live in a in a place with a cold climate, you can have them indoors. If you live in a place with a good warm climate, you can keep them outside in the garden and they will be used fine. So next podcast, I will go into detail on how to open your snail farm. So be sure to check out my Instagram. I post pictures there of my setups, of my plants, of my African snails and stuff. And I will see you around before the apocalypse or after the apocalypse.
Again. 